Welcome back to Carter and Lowry. We are here again, episode number yeah. 126, live and in person on this Tuesday uh, mid-afternoon. I'm here with Sam Carter, yep. live in the studio lately. Um, Sam, wrapping up the school days. Yeah. I'm not going to ask him how it's going again because he's just going to say, really just checking off a box at this point. Yeah, I mean. So I'm not going to ask him that. But I got a nice, I think very inquisitive Opening right. question today. Sam Carter, what is the dumbest rule in all of sports currently? Oh. Um, okay, I've got one from my own personal sport of lacrosse. In college, every player on the team has to have, you know, matching gloves for the most part. Their, their gloves have to be the same, you know, primary color. So... You can't have most of the team wear white gloves and then one player have black gloves. You have to have everybody has the same color gloves. Um, you know, maybe you could say that's part of the uniform, but I've seen some pretty ridiculous things being worn in college football games. Hmm. I mean, you can draw on your cleats. Sure. You can write whatever you want on your arm sleeves. Um, but no ninja headbands in the NBA. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bad rule. I really miss the Jimmy Butler ninja yeah. headband. If we could have that right now, I mean, that's oh my goodness. But uh, my pick has got to be uh, possession error on college basketball. It is only there simply because I think because it's been there. There's an unwillingness to change. I think this has been a bad rule since its inception. You should always jump the ball up because the defense can be punished for making good play at the end of the game if they do not have the possession arrow. Um, and then I'm going to say also, I would just say cleats in the NFL, not being able to wear special cleats. And kind of like this NFL celebration rules on top of that. Just the no fun league kind of yeah. like rules in general, as Sam kind of mentioned. But, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good rules, but there's also a lot of bad rules. But, you know, we're not here to complain about officials or referees on Cardinal Lauer. We keep it... With the facts, um, yeah. but let's turn it over uh, to a little MLB baseball, and we are, I'm back this week, updating the stats officially, this let's is a go. complete, you know, I actually have additional information because I actually watched two complete Mariner games this week because of the rain of Memorial Day weekend. Did you know, Sam, actually, I looked at this map um, on Sunday morning, Charlotte, North Carolina, or like our area, was like outside of, I think, Alaska, like in the continental U.S., it was like the coldest high temperature was Charlotte mm. because of that cold front. But it was, it was a miserable Memorial Day weekend weather-wise. Anyways, um, the Mariners got the sweep of the A's, which is critical. You've got to beat the good teams, but you also really got to beat the bad teams. You can't afford a loss there. 2-1 to one series against the Pirates, who have been hot to start the season. Also, got a shout out my boy, Eugenio Suarez. Even though he had a bad game against the Braves, he comes back. They walk Jerry Kelnick in front of him with two outs in the bottom of the 10th. He blasts a 3-1 home run to get the 6-3 walk-off victory um, on Sunday. Great game there. And then last night, Aaron Judge completely demolished uh, my Seattle Mariners. I think he, he, had, he went 3-4 for four with two home runs, and he robbed a home run. I think he had like five RBI, so, you know, very dominant there. But hoping for a little bit better result in these next two against the Yankees. Hopefully just get one, just because 
you know, the Mariners never matched up great against the Yankees, but hopefully just get one there. Kelnick still leading uh, the team in batting. Uh, Julio has been hot of late. Um, he's up to 10 home runs. He's now leading the team in home runs. Cal Raleigh still with the RBI lead at 22. And Luis Castillo, best pitcher with about a 2-2 ERA and a 4-2 record. So, Sam, take us through a little bit of a, a rough patch for the yeah, Orioles. Yeah, so year. after having, you know, probably the greatest week of the Orioles season, um, you know, a not-so-good one follows. Still beat the Yankees 2-1 to one in that series. Um, but then, you know, one and two against the Rangers, and then and then zero and one right now against the Guardians. Um, I mean, what? I mean, what just, can you say? It's just the up and down nature, the roller coaster ride of a baseball yeah. season. Um, but you know, still pretty good. Um, Austin Hayes leads the team in batting. Cedric Mullins with the most RBIs at thirty nine. And then Ryan Mountcastle with 11 home runs on the season, and then Gibson six and three pitching. So yeah, I mean he's been really the strongest pitcher yeah. by far for the Orioles. But uh, 315 uh, at the plate in this era of the pitcher is very strong uh, at a Hayes. So you know impressive stuff on the hitting side, but you know still the kind of the lack of pitching depth uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, which has cost them late in games, as demonstrated by this week. Uh, but you know a good series win against the Yankees for sure. Uh, but looking at the playoff picture, um, the Rays, Rangers, and Twins still lead the American League divisions uh, with the Orioles in fourth, the Yankees in fifth, and the Astros in sixth. After the Blue Jays had a very rough week, falling back down to 28 and 26 after you know having a pretty good hold in that four spot for most of the uh, first third of the season. Officially, we are a third of the way through this baseball season. Um, and in the National League, the Dodgers hold a, a nice command of that one spot uh, with the Braves and Brewers uh, trailing, uh, and then the Diamondbacks, Marlins, and Giants uh, sneaking in there to round out the wild card spots in the National League. Uh, well, let's turn it over to the NBA, and I would just like to say, you know, you know, my apologies to the Boston Celtics. You know, I doubted them. I said they were going to get swept. Then they come back and they force a the game seven. We're breaking it all down uh, right here. Uh, starting with, you know, kind of the transition. In game four, they come in, they dominate for the most part, I would say. Game five, they come in, dominate. Game six, the instant classic with the Derek White buzzer beater. Um, worst hairline in the NBA. Worst hairline in the NBA still, but, you know, coming in like a bolt of lightning um, after the Marcus Smart miss, getting the, the lucky roll, some might say, getting off just in time. Some might say too much time was added on the clock. Yeah, there's there's a lot of speculation yeah, surrounding the moment, a little bit of Celtic luck, perhaps. But nonetheless, the game seven was forced, and then we get an absolute stinker in game seven. I want to say the Celtics won something like five for twenty nine from three point range. So you live by the three, you die by the three. But now we're talking about Joe Mazzulla. Should he be fired, Sam? After forcing a game seven, you know, winning three straight, almost completing the biggest comeback in NBA history. How do you evaluate Joe Mazzulla's, you know, position as the head coach of the Boston Celtics for next season? I mean, it's his first season, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like the coach, is an, while it's an important part of an NBA team, it's not the most important part. Um, I think that if you give him an offseason to, to take control of this team, then... 
and and then see where they are this time next season, I think then you can assess. But but don't just fire them right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to agree with Sam here. Um, I think that the resolve he showed in kind of restructuring, making those adjustments come game four, and almost pulling off the upset uh, was pretty incredible. I would argue that the Heat played a better game down the stretch in game six, but they got away with that one. So just a, a lot of speculation, I would say, in the air. But it is what it is. You know, we, we've come to this point where the Celtics have failed again. And now I ask you, Sam, if you are, you know, Brad Stevens, president of the Celtics, are you keeping together Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Yeah, I think that they're an incredible combo. And I think that they just need a little more time to just grow into, you know, where they fit together in this team. <coughs> um, you know, maybe add a, add a piece or two. Um, but I think that, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are – if not the best duo in the country, um, one of. So yeah. I don't think you separate them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that I put them number two right behind Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Yeah. Um, you know, incredible talents. It's still very young, so a lot of you know time to figure out those things. I did want to report. I did mess up that three points that they were twenty one percent from three, nine for forty two. So certainly a very rough outing, but not as bad as I just said. Um, but I think the point that stands out the most, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of him, is Kayla Martin. Yeah. In Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, puts up 26 points, 10 rebounds on 4 for 6 from 3, and 11 for 16 from the field. Sam, what does this kind of role player action show to you about this Miami Heat team? Um, I mean, we were, we were talking about it last night. I said, <laughs> when was the last time Kayla Martin went off? Um... And Dean responds with, he's never done it. He's not that kind of player. And he proves him wrong. Yeah, on the, on the biggest on, stage on of the, his career. Yeah, on the same day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the sixth man is the... I mean, you, that's just a position that you need to have. Um, you're not going to win a game. Or you're not going to win the, the finals if you don't have that that bench presence. So Yeah, certainly uh, guys like Gabe Vincent, um, you know, Caleb Martin, you know, Max Struess, these undrafted players who have come in huge uh, for the Miami Heat. Um, but an incredible series um, that was produced, even though we thought it was going to be over in four yeah. games. Um, from the antics of game two with, uh, you know, the whole Jimmy Butler kind of, you know, the trash talk with Grant Williams. And then we get into game three, just a blow with the timeout, celebration, trash talk. I mean, it was a very intense series. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the Heat were just too well coached and too well disciplined. I mean, incredible effort from Eric Spolster to yeah. get your team to come back 48 hours after a, a devastating loss such as that one. When you think you got the game locked up until about 0.1 seconds left. Um, so, incredible stuff out of this series. And certainly, we'll be looking forward... Uh, to the NBA Finals, I have the schedule. I'll read it off one more time again. Game 1 begins Thursday night on June 1st. Then we got Sunday, Game 2, Wednesday, Game 3, Friday, Game 4, Monday, Game 5, Thursday, Game 6, and then Father's Day, Sunday, would be Game 7 if necessary. So, Sam, let's lay it out on the line. Before we get into the analytics and before we get into, you know, 8 seeds number 1, just looking at these two basketball teams, 
Who do you view as the favorite in how many games? Well, I think that, you know, you look at the Nuggets, and they seem like the better team, just on paper. You know, and then you take into account how they swept the Lakers, so they haven't played in a week. and it, Almost 10 days. Yeah. And so the Heat just coming off that, you know, scary near miss, um, I think that i got to lean towards the Nugs here. And how many games are you, are you, are you calling some? I'm going to say five games. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. Um, I think the rest will be critical, but I think it's going to hurt the Denver Nuggets in this first game. I think that there is such a thing as too much rest. Yeah. Uh, by the time we get to Thursday, they will have ten whole days off. And it's not like... You know, they got those 10 days off and knowing their opponent. And I think the Heat and the Celtics are two teams with very different makeups. You know, the yeah. Heat really only have one superstar kind of takeover guy in Jimmy Butler. So it's not the same kind of dynamic when you're guarding them. Obviously, guarding Nikola Jokic is going to be a serious problem for the Miami Heat. We get Bam on Nikola. Should be interesting. And then I guess you put Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray. So a perfect matchup yeah. of, the, of the superstars. I think the role players will dictate this series. If Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent are putting up 25-point performances, I think the Miami Heat have a serious chance to win this series. Um, I think that you know the home crowds aren't going to matter too much. Not too much of a spirited fan base there. Um, but I am going to take the Denver Nuggets. I'm cheering for the Miami Heat. I'm going to take the Denver Nuggets in seven games. I just think that there will be clutch moments um, from Jimmy Butler throughout this series, um, and I think this is going to be a great one. I think that too much doubt has been placed in the Heat. I and mean, how can you doubt them again yeah. after all they've done uh, to be an eight seed, lose a playing game, be down in the last three minutes of their second playing game, and now they're all the way to the NBA Finals. The second team to make it to the NBA Finals is an eight seed. Um, at previously, as I mentioned, the New York Knicks of 1999, they got uh, you know they made it all the way to the NBA Finals, ran into the juggernaut of David Robinson and Tim Duncan, so you know it's just not a good matchup at all there. Um, but I don't think that there's quite the same level of outmatch, you know, kind of yeah. difference in these two teams. I think the Heat, you know, they were a one seed last year. Many people felt they were the better team than the Celtics and should have made it to the NBA Finals. Um, but let's turn it over to the interesting aspect, Sam, of Tyler Hero. Um, broke three of his fingers on, uh, you know, in game one of the first series against the Bucks. It was, you know, he was available to play last night, but Eric Spolster decided to sit him down. Do you start him for game one, or do you keep the minutes up for Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and Caleb Martin? Or do you keep going with the flow, or do you, you bring him off the bench? You know, what, what would be your approach to the Tyler Hero dilemma as we have right now, him coming back off of this injury? You know, is he a hundred percent? All those questions. I think I think you leave him on the bench for game one. Um, I think that with all of, all that this Heat team has done without him, um, I don't think that he's a necessary factor. I think if they get into later games, and you know they need that that extra guy on the floor, I think then you bring him in. I just always look at um, that. Duke team that Kyrie was on, he comes back in in the NCAA tournament. You know Duke's favorite to win it all, 
and you know he just messes up the chemistry. Um, I don't think that Tyler Hero is necessarily that guy, but yeah, but I think the potential is there. Yeah, I think that given that he's not as much of a dominant ball handler and he's more catch and shoot yeah. defense kind of guy, I think it, it'll be okay to bring him in. I would say I would bring him off the bench. I don't think he can earn the starting spot over Caleb Martin unless it's absolutely necessary. He's just playing so tremendous. Um, I just think that you know you got to keep some of the chemistry together. Yeah. But I think you know he's going to have the fresh legs. I mean, given it was a, a finger injury, so I'm yeah. sure he's been able to keep running. Um, so I think he's going to have you know kind of be the freshest guy on the floor. Um, but you know, very interesting to look at these matchups. Obviously. You know, how the three-point shooting of Michael Porter Jr. 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 And uh, guys like Jeff Green, um, you know, things like that. How are those going to come into play? Um, I think this will be a very interesting basketball series. Not necessarily the, the you know, most prime time in terms of yeah. you might have wanted the Celtics versus the Lakers. But, uh, you know, we're here. We've made it uh, to the NBA Finals. We'll be covering throughout. Um, but, Sam, you know, you're... You're sticking with your prediction of Nuggets in five games. Is yeah. That, is that, I mean, that's that's pretty bold. I think this one is going six or seven. Um, but best of luck to both of these teams. Um, certainly interesting to see how the rest versus no rest will come to play. I mean, the Heat, you know, they're talking to the first game presser. I mean, immediately after they left the press room, they had to fly to Denver. So, you know, they didn't even get to go back to Miami. You know, they were immediately flying to yeah. Denver today. So it'll be interesting to see how that rest comes into play. But the NBA Finals starting 8 o'clock on Thursday night, June 1st on ABC. You have, you have Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy on the call. Um, so let's, let's, let's go with this. Another kind of random question. Of all of these five or you know seven games, who is going to have the highest scoring performance and what's the number of points going to be? I think Jimmy Butler is is gonna have a he's gonna have he's gonna have forty two in a loss. Mm. I'm gonna go with game number two. Here's I'm gonna think I think the Heat are gonna steal game one, the Nuggets are gonna win game two, and they're gonna win game four, and they're gonna win game five, and they're gonna win game seven. So I think the Heat will win games one, three, and six. And I'm going to say that Nikola Jokic in Game 2 is going to have a, a monstrous, like, 48-point just destruction of Bam on the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I can't say for sure. Obviously, Bam has been, you know, he played Robert Williams well, but Jokic, he's a different animal. I mean, he didn't have anything like that. Obviously, they had to guard Giannis, but Giannis was injured, and Giannis kind of exploded in some of those games. So, interest, interesting to see how, uh, you know, the matchups line up here. But uh, that is going to do it for episode number 126 of Carter and Lowry, cruising right on into the summer. I uh, do want to mention we'll have, you know, NBA Finals coverage after each game. A little quick minute, you know, a seven-minute yeah. recap of each of the games, and then we'll be breaking into the mixed bag um, with some more, you know, traditional podcast content um, on Carter and Lowry. Uh, but that's going to do it until Friday when we'll be recapping Game number one of the NBA Finals. Sam, any final thoughts on this series in the Eastern Conference Finals? No. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. You can hear from us on Friday.